No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Let's go. Cheapbox wine, tonight's recommended snack. Bland brand, no name crackers. This is the official wine and crackers broadcast or here on D Live. Let's do this, huh? Let's fuck this chicken. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next couple of hours or so. We'll see how we go. And tonight, we're going to explore a very important topic. Tonight, we're going to dive deep into the psyche of each and every one of you. I'm going to reach inside of you, deep inside of you, and massage a part of you that needs to be massaged. You're going to feel things that you've never felt before. Here tonight on this broadcast, you are going to experience life. It will be confronting. It will be uncomfortable. But it's all for the right cause. Winning TV, kicking us off. Thank you for the diamond. Winning TV says it's going to be a big show, perhaps the biggest. It's going to be got a really big show, really big show for you tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining us. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me about the weekend that you had, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you'd like to leave a tip tonight, the preferred method is, of course, head to dlive.tv slash boogiebumper or hit that link down below, streamlabs.com slash boogiebumper. Like I said, tonight we're going to explore the inner sanctum of your emotional well-being. We're going to give it a little rub, a little bit of a tickle, and we're going to see what comes out of you. One way of putting it, anyway. Because tonight it's all about acknowledging it's all about being sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for everything. I, I can't tell you how sorry I am. And at the end of this show, you will be apologizing with me. You will be right up here on this podium apologizing, saying how sorry you are. Trust me. I saw a lot of comments when the intro was rolling. People were like, sorry, what the fuck? Sorry. You're going to learn what sorry is, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond key wizard. You are going to learn what it means to truly be sorry and how we can come together as various people and individuals and communities and strive for new beginnings, new hope, and a new enlightened world, ladies and gentlemen. So much to get through, so little time. Let me kick it off with this. I came across this article maybe 15 minutes ago, and just the headline Ring the bell alone. and get your cheese, man. Major Tom, thank you for the gifted sub. Just the, can you wash my, you absolutely can wash my feet. You can wash all of me, in fact. Let's do a boogie bumper sponge bath for apologies. Wouldn't that be great? Instead of just washing their feet. Now, would your asshole, does your ass need a little bit of, need a little bit of a spit shine, does it? Or let me just uh, lick, lick the napkin and wipe it on them, on their face. Mm, yeah, look, you're all dirty. Why, why stop at the feet? Surely there's more of you that needs to be cleansed. Um, but you can wash my feet. Absolutely. 
they're big feet though. They're like size 15, so it's gonna take you a while. So don't make any fucking plans. Holy shit! Key Wizard dropping a guinea on us. Thank you very much. Very generous of you. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? Gypsy says, are bleached assholes Nazis? Maybe, perhaps. I mean, it is a form of white supremacy, is it not? Thinking that a bleached white asshole is more attractive than a brown asshole. I mean, surely this is the next area of oppression we need to work ourselves into. Slowly at first, but then as you keep working it, it'll it'll get easier as we go. I think that's the way it works. So something that I've learned as of 15 minutes ago, I haven't read this article yet. I just read the headline and I'm like, it's got to go straight to the show. Because <laughs> sometimes you just know, you can feel it deep down in the cockles. You can feel it percolating. And this is one of those stories where I think, you know, we, we need to be serious here. Let me let me come at this from a serious angle. We've learned a lot over the last couple of weeks of riots and protests and people needing to have their voices heard. And we've discovered, haven't we, those of us who are not of colour, uh, the, the multitude of ways day to day that we are oppressing people and we didn't even know it. And... This particular item, I think, needs prompt attention because I don't want to hurt anybody. I know none of you want to hurt anybody either. And sometimes we can be hurting people when we think that we're helping them. And that kind of behavior must stop. It must come to an end. So allow me to present to you, ladies and gentlemen, this particular item. And I'm sure you're going to appreciate this here on the Daily Boogie podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Please stop making protest signs that reference black dick. <laughs> yes. Please stop referencing black dick in your protest signs, ladies and gentlemen. I know you're trying to help, but there is a limit. It's so weird, and it latches onto historical tropes that dehumanise black people. Yo, motherfucker, like, I'm more than just a penis, you know what I'm saying? Like, we out here, we trying to get our message across, motherfucker. Like, we out here, we trying to do shit, you know, like, stopping the oppression and shit. And y'all motherfuckers, you out here with the fucking black dicks, saying how much, our, how big our black dicks are, how much you love taking our black dicks. Like, it fucking hurts, man. You ain't helping, dog. You're making shit harder, you know what I'm saying? Like, stop talking about how much your daughter likes taking my big fucking dick, man. It's like dehumanizing and shit. It's like historical tropes and racisms and stuff, you know what I'm saying? I feel sorry for these guys. Having having society constantly reference how big their dick is, I, I do feel for them. It's awful. It's so weird and it latches onto historical tropes that dehumanize black people. Let's have a look at this. Uh, there's one sign there. Your daughters love every inch of us. Well, it's not inch. It's I-N. Oh, okay, it is inch. We'll give them that. It looked like a G for a second. You can't have an inch without a G. One of us. So why can't you? A large scale, As large-scale demonstrations against police violence have swept through the nation, 
so have a number of interesting protest signs. Many of them are compelling, compassionate cries for equality and justice. Others are something else. And these are exhibits A and B. Jennifer Briggs in the chat says, Liberals ruin all the fun. <laughs> Here's another one. I love black dick, so you will hear me scream, I think it says. And the quote, the quote is, someone just posted this. Seen at Manchester Black Lives Matter protest, fetishizing black men is not cute. Especially given the hypersexualization of our bodies is often what gets us killed. I know. All this time, I didn't know, but apparently the main cause of the indiscriminate killing of black people by white police officers is all to do with the size of their rod. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Seems there are a lot of little dick, jealous little dick piggies out there running around popping off gangsters because they're very upset that the brothers are packing a little heat of their own. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what the hell this show has become. Fuck it, we're running with it. It should be, but it apparently isn't. Clear that protesting for black rights on the grounds one enjoys sleeping with black men does not reflect well on one's priorities. I'll see you in hell. But fetishizing black men's genitalia is dehumanizing regardless. Rooted in historical tropes that are directly linked to the brutalization of black folks and the justification of that violence. The black, I see a lot of people laughing in the chat. You're not taking this seriously, guys. I want you to stop thinking about how much you like black penis for a moment and start thinking about how your love for black penis may be actually hurting the people you're trying to help. Take this seriously, please. The black brute, mandigo or black buck tropes. They left out the bull, unfortunately. Reflect a potent supposition that black men are unstoppably sex-crazed beasts. During enslavement, the societal belief was that black men had to be forced into submission to keep them from acting on alleged rabid fantasies of sexually assaulting white women. Following emancipation, the idea that black men would, quote, return to their alleged criminal brutish ways and take revenge through rape morphed into a justification for sadistic lynchings that occurred during Reconstruction and Jim Crow. Anti-black propaganda utilised this sexual mythology to further fuel the public justification for lynchings, heads, newspaper headlines, which were often false, claimed that murdered black men were killed because they had tried to attack white women. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Key Wizard. As David Pilgrim, the director of the Jim Crow Museum at Ferris State University, wrote, a mob lynching was a brutal and savage event, and it necessitated the lynching victim be seen as equally brutal and savage. As these lynchings became more common and more brutal, so did the assassination of the black character. There's a direct line. Uh, you, of course, you can't spell assassination without ass. There's a direct line from that imagery to the brute and the thug imagery used to justify police violence today. Darren Wilson, who killed Michael Brown, and Jason Van Dyke, who killed Lachlan, uh, Laquan McDonald drew heavily from the black brute stereotype during their testimonies in order to justify their peer. Your Honour, I only shot him because he has such a big cock. The defence rests for a while, and then we'll be good to go again. 
The trope caused folks to perceive black people as larger, more violent, and in the case of children, older, and possessing a supernatural level of strength, as well as an inhumanly large penis, apparently. The goal of anti-racist protest is to break the grip of racism in theory of practice. Speaking of grip, <laughs> literal racism, fetishizing, and all-around weirdness are not going to do that. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it direct from the people of Slate. Please stop making protest signs that reference black dick. We cannot have it. You are making the problem much, much worse when you talk about how much you love black penis whilst protesting on behalf of the black people. So please stop doing it, apparently. Oh, isn't it fantastic? All right. <laughs> I hope we all learned something here today. I, for one, though, I, for one, will never stop fetishizing uh, black penis. I don't know about you. There's only so much I can go along with. There's only so much I could do. And I can't do that, I'm afraid. Let's go to Minnesota. Minnesota I find fascinating. It's cold. There's lots of trees. The people talk funny. I'm going to drink some soda on our couch. I'm going to sit on the couch and drink some soda. So there's a lot of reasons to be fascinated by a place like Minnesota. But... More than that, I'm fascinated by this latest move by the local Minnesotan politicians, which is to abolish the police force. Now, I'm sure there's very intellectual discussions that people would like to have about abolishing police forces, but if you're calling, they call it pop, do they? You drinking some pop? Pop on the coach here in Minnesota? Seems a little unfortunate that the place would be called Minnesota, but they don't call it soda. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's to avoid confusion. Uh, Lady Fritz says Minnesota is the new Somalia. Well, I think it's the old Somalia. Well, whatever. Minneapolis City Council members announce intent to disband the police department, invest in proven community-led public safety, which is, of course, not a propagandistic headline in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> We're going to invest in proven community-led public safety. Sounds like Neighbourhood Watch, doesn't it? The move follows the police killings of George Floyd and more than a week of uprisings where hundreds of thousands of people around the world have protested against police violence and abusive police responses to the protest. I must, I'm afraid I must raise a point of privilege here and, and note the lie of omission and also, also have burned down much of their own city. I, I feel like that needs should probably be mentioned somewhere in the subheading. But whatever, what do I know? On, Saturday, on Sunday afternoon, a veto-proof majority of the Minneapolis City Council members announced their commitment to disbanding the city's embattled police department, which has endured relentless criticism in the wake of the police killing of George Floyd, an unarmed black man, on May 25. How do we fix something like this? How can we, how can we make the world a better place? How can we bring balance back to the universe? I know. Let's get rid of the police. Let's fucking get rid of them entirely. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This will never happen again. It reminds me of Julian Castro and his plan to wipe out illegal immigration. UK Neil with a diamond says the world and everyone in it is racist. See, that wouldn't be bad if we could come to a 
if we could come to a point where we just agreed that everybody is racist all the time, then there's no more need to fight anymore, is there? Like, I've made this point before on a previous show at some point. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I see you in hell. I see you in hell. I've made this point before. What if instead of trying to reverse race, what if instead of trying to say that nobody's racist, why don't we just start agree and say, yes, everybody's racist all the time. Now what? Right? Just just say, if, if we all agreed that everybody is racist all the time, then there's no more need for any confusion. There's no more need for any fighting. There's no more need for education programs and unconscious bias training and all of that shit. Let's just say that racism is a thing that everybody has all the time and there's nothing we can do about it. So let's just go back to work, <laughs> right? What's the point? Why try and fight it? Let's just agree. Yes, everybody's racist. Now what? Now what are you going to do? Um, well, I haven't ever actually thought about that. See, so much of this system, so much of this uh, cultural entrainment programming is based on the fact that you're supposed to resist the accusation that's being levelled at you. What happens if you just start agreeing? Will it break it? What if everybody agrees? Yes, we are racist. Now what? Uh, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm getting at here? We're here because we hear you. This is the article. We're here today because George Floyd was killed by the Minneapolis police. Well, that's not even actually, can we just be accurate? He was killed by uh, one guy in the Minneapolis police with three accessories. I think that's the charge. It's not like the police wrote an order and say, okay, everybody who works here, go out and kill this guy. But again, I guess everybody's just racist and we'll just have to, you know, deal with it. We are here because here in Minneapolis and cities across the United States, it is clear that our existing system of policing and public safety is not keeping our community safe. Minneapolis City Council President Lisa Bender said Sunday, our efforts are at incremental reform have failed, period. That seems like an odd thing to admit. You mean all the last, the last 30 or 40 years of progress has amounted to nothing? Hmm. Interesting. Are you saying that the last four or five or six decades of incremental changes of slowly changing people's perception of trying to nudge people in certain ways of slowly changing institutions, blah, blah, blah. Are you actually saying that it hasn't fixed anything? Wow. So now we need radical change. <laughs> It's kind of like the socialist mindset. You see, because when socialists start doing socialism and it doesn't really work out, there's only one remedy to fix that. You see, if you start doing socialism to a country and things actually get worse, the only allowable explanation is we haven't done enough socialism to it yet. We need to keep doing socialism to this place. We need more socialism. So if you introduce a little bit of socialism and it doesn't work, you need more socialism. And then if that doesn't work, then you need radical socialism. And if radical socialism doesn't work, you need complete socialism with no defiance whatsoever. You need to wipe out everybody who doesn't like the socialism. 
And if that doesn't work, it's because the capitalist country over there, it's because they're not socialist, you see. So then we have to change all the capitalist countries around you. And if that doesn't work, it's because there is a cabal of capitalists running the world and they stand it. They need to be socialist as well. You see, the only answer is more socialism. So I find it refreshing that this particular uh, city council member has said that, you know, the decades of incremental change has not worked. So now essentially what we need to do is radical change. We need more change. We need more of the good stuff. Hit me up again. Put it into my veins. The city council's decision follows those of several other high-profile partners, including Minneapolis Public Schools, the University of Minnesota, Minneapolis Parks and Recreation. High-profile organisations here, the Minneapolis Parks and Recreation Department. (laughs) To sever long-standing ties with the MPD. The announcement today, so here you have a city, right? And look, I'm if you've been watching this show for the last month or two, you know that I've had various, I would say, justified gripes with the police and how they're going about their work lately and the enforcement of ridiculous lockdown regulations and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm no, you know, um, I'm not a routinely back the blue guy, but I'm not anti-police. I find that any of those binary options where you're not allowed to stray outside, that kind of shit infuriates me. So when when police do good, I give clap. When police do bad, I give boo. To put it in simple terms, if you need the binary dichotomy in order to make sense of this confusing big bad world around you. But here you have a city in the most powerful country on earth, the United States, where Various government departments are now essentially, you know, at least symbolically saying to the rest of the city that they run, right, the the city that they work for, they're saying within the, the four walls of this department or within our parks, where our jurisdiction is, we are saying no to the police. We don't want you here. Has that ever happened before? Thank you for the diamond, Kimmy. Just This just in, Boogie gives clap. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, with my big black penis. We're going to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department, tweeted council member Jeremiah Ellison. Again, just anyone. Does anybody else think that the dismantling of the local police department will be followed just by some kind of UN push, some kind of uh, federalised police force, perhaps? Perhaps even, wouldn't it be fucking amazing if the local politicians in Minneapolis voted to bring in UN peacekeepers. God, please let that happen. Please let that happen. I want to see the white trucks and the blue helmets of the UN rolling around little Mogadishu. Don't you? Wouldn't that be fucking superb? We've decided that we don't want uh, local members of the community engaged in policing here in Minneapolis. So we want people from Latvia, Poland and Estonia policing you instead. I'm sure it'll work out so much better for the locals. (laughs) We want Germans policing Minneapolis, please. With little blue helmets. 
Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey said last night that he opposed disbanding the police department at a protest organised and led by Black Visions Collective, the collective of Black Visions in the city. That answer earned him thundering chorus of boos and chants of shame. Go home, Jacob, go home. The New York Times called the scene, quote, a humiliation on a scale almost unimaginable outside of cinema or nightmare. (laughs) Oh, no. You mean the mayor who was crying at the coffin of George Floyd? You mean the mayor who was doing this? Ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the guy in the white shirt, that is Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Frey. This is him reaching out to the community, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't cringe at all. strange so when people in minneapolis say hey we need to get rid of the police force let's disband the police force a strange thing happened jacob frey who is the mayor and probably knows that if he votes even though his council members are probably very radical and they've also they've already said they've already admitted that we need radical change now that slow incremental change hasn't done anything it's no fucking good So knowing that he has a radical local council beneath him as the mayor, he probably knows, he's probably not really that stupid, right? I suspect he probably knows that if he comes out and says we need to disband the police force, that he probably won't win another term as mayor. (laughs) Just guessing. Because despite, you know, the rioting and the protesting and the looting and the social media campaigns, and the protestations from those beneath him on the city council, he probably knows, he probably suspects that a majority of people within Minneapolis would not be in favour of disbanding the police force. I'm just putting that out there as a guess. So he's probably smart enough to know that if he says, yes, well, I think that we shouldn't have a police force, it probably equates to political suicide for him. Whereas the councillors who represent various local areas are probably safer to do that because their local areas may be more radical, whereas he has to take the demographic of the city as a whole. He doesn't get elected by one area. He gets elected by everybody in the city. And I don't think everybody in the city would necessarily agree, right? So he can't come out and say, well, I think we should disband the police force because that's the end of dancing Jacob Frey here. But isn't it nice, isn't it cute, that Jacob is also getting a little reality check, and the reality check is no amount of pandering will stop people from booing and calling for your head to be put on a spike the second that you disagree with them. No amount of groveling, no amount of pandering, no amount of throwing yourself on the coffin and crying, screaming into the sky. No amount of dancing in the streets, no amount of being cool, no amount of crying on television will save you from the booze, will save you from the calls for your head 
the second that you break from the line that you're being shoveled into, from the shoebox that you're being shoveled into. It's a great moment for Jacob, a time to grow. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, CNN covered this. So I thought we, we may as well bring it up. Screaming into the sky. Thank you for the diamond coffee talk, Sandra. Thank you for coming. And see you in here. Let's see what CNN had to say about all this. The most progressive mayor on the planet, the pandering Jacob Frey, the dancing, the dancing queen himself. There he is. He's a really good dancer. He's got really good moves. Uh, the dancing queen himself, the beloved mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Frey. <laughs> Voice of reason with a diamond. Painted it black, no increase in size. Shake my head. <laughs> Protesters asking city leaders to defund police departments. And what that means is they want cities to spend less money on punishment and policing and more money on community services. In Minneapolis, the mayor responded to the calls for action, saying that he did not support the defunding uh, movement. But if we spend more money on police and arrest more people, won't we get more community service? Hey, hey, hey. See that? See how he fixed it? <laughs> it uh, his response was met with this. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see. But this is taken, this is footage taken directly after the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, announced that he did not support disbanding the Minneapolis Police Department. He is being led through the crowd of protesters with his head down, looking at his shoes, his tail between his legs, whilst the crowd, who loved him only minutes ago, (laughs) they loved him. He was their favourite. He was dancing in the streets. He was crying at funerals. He was saying all the right things. But now, just minutes, minutes later, one sentence is all it takes to trigger people. One sentence will do the job. And now, all of a sudden, boo! Go home, Jacob! Go home! Go home, Jacob! Go home! He's out of there. He's done. He's finished. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. Andrew Jackson with a tip. <laughs> I think we found the missing dancing yeah, Israeli. Really oh, Jacob. Oh, Jacob. Oh, Jacob. How could you? <laughs> he looks like he just had a spanking, says Jenny in the chat. And the mayor was booed off stage. His How office tells that? CNN that he is committed to structural reforms, but does not support abolishing or defunding the police. With us now to talk about... Sounds like a fucking Nazi, if you ask me. This and a lot more. Carl Sudler, he's an assistant professor of history at Emory University in Atlanta, also the author of Presumed Criminal, (sighs) Black Youth and the Justice System in Post-War New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, Professor, good morning to you. Good morning, Victor. Thank you for having me. Uh, So what's your understanding of this? Before we get to the history, um, the the defund the uh, police movement, my assumption is that um, the protesters don't want the law enforcement line of the budget to be zeroed out completely, or maybe they do, but there are limitations. What do you see it as? Yeah, no, I think um, I think it's been pretty exciting to see calls to defund the police. Exciting. 
been so exciting. You know, what we've been seeing in the last couple of weeks has been incredibly exciting. Bob, it's been terribly exciting. You know, we've been sitting here in our protected gated community and uh, going and teaching, going and molding and massaging the young minds of my students, telling them about things like historical oppression and whatnot. And the calls to defund the police, I don't know about you, I find it incredibly excite exciting. <laughs> it's a very somber thing. It's a very somber realisation that, you know, the downtrodden amongst us can never be allowed to achieve as long as this horrible institution exists. So, for me personally, when I hear calls to defund the police, I don't know about you, I'm ready to pop. I'm, I'm, I'm giddy over here. I can't wait. Be taken seriously in some places. You know, whether it's at the University of Minnesota where the president severed some ties with the Minneapolis Police Department or yeah. the Minneapolis School Board voting to terminate its contract with the police department. Um, I, I think these are the types of alternatives that to expansive police authority mm -hmm. Uh, rightly honored a memory of somebody like George Floyd. Right. So your book focuses on um, black youth and the justice system. And really, the truth is, by the time um, black teenagers that maybe in their 20s get to the justice system, there's a myriad of um, structural and society challenges and failures that have led up potentially to that moment. Set the scope of the problem for us before we get to um, justice system or the injustice of the justice system. Yeah, no, that, that's right. I think, um, you know, what lies at the center of so many of these conversations um, come out of issues of black criminality, yep. right, that few are so willing to admit have, you know, are, are, are actual reality, right, um, for how black, young black people are perceived, right, as criminal and who's driving this perception, be it the media, be it social scientists, be it. <coughs> Pardon me. I want to show you something. It's something that we've spoken about before. And when I first started doing uh, like Periscope live streams and stuff, uh, I'd been talking about it in other areas for a while. And it was probably like four or five years ago, maybe, I don't know, where I first started raising this. And only the OG of, only the OGest of OG listeners will remember what I'm talking about. And what I want to, bring to you like this just came to me while I was watching this professor and they're talking as soon as he said the injustice of the justice system it sparked my memory because it's a topic that we've spoken about before who here has heard of critical legal theory press one in the chat if you know what I'm talking about critical legal theory or critical legal studies press two in the chat if you don't know what the fuck it is because we will educate you here baby birds want to see how many people are on board with this who already know what I'm talking about. I'll talk with Sandra. Ice Rusty's like two, two, two. Okay, a lot of twos. Okay, good, good. I'm glad. Well, I'm not glad. I wish more people knew what critical legal theory was, but don't worry, you're about to learn. Critical legal theory is a it's obviously a theoretical principle for how to upturn the legal system let me show you this now this does not come from some right-wing blog it doesn't come from some far-right website 
This comes from Harvard.eu. This is a Harvard University educational printout here to describe the critical legal studies movement. A self-conscious group of legal scholars founded the Conference on Critical Legal Studies in 1977. Most of them had been law students in the 1960s and early 1970s. Already you know where this is going. And had been involved with the civil rights movement, Vietnam protests, and the political and cultural challenges to authority that characterised that period. These events seem to contradict the assumption that American law was fundamentally just and the product of historical progress. Instead, law seemed a game heavily loaded to favour the wealthy and the powerful, but these events also suggested that grassroots activists and lawyers could produce social change. Social activism, social justice warriorship from the bench, ladies and gentlemen. Fundamentally convinced that law and politics could not be separated, the founders of CLS found a yawning absence at the level of theory. How could law be so tilted to favour the powerful given the prevailing explanations of law as either democratically chosen or the result of impartial judicial reasoning from neutral principles? See, one of the, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but one of the one of the arguments that I've had against critical legal theory is that Yes, rich and powerful people can get away with more stuff. They can they can afford better lawyers. We all understand that, right? But where critical legal theory, in my opinion, falls short is they say that it's based on what? Racial lines. It, it goes down racial lines. Essentially, what we're dealing with here is essentially the belief that if if a black guy robs you in the street and steals your wallet, you're actually the perpetrator. And he is the victim. Now, they can they can come up with pages and pages and pages. And I've spent hours and hours of going through this stuff because I'm a very boring person and I like to. And they can come up with pages of rationalization and it's loaded with all of the usual word salads that you would expect to find. But essentially, when you boil it down, if a black guy robs you with a knife in the street and takes your wallet and you're a white person, you are the perpetrator because you are keeping you are propping up a system that keeps that guy oppressed right this is the theory so critical legal theory seeks to turn the uh, the perpetrators into victims and the victims into perpetrators you see because he only turned to crime because the system is unfairly loaded against him he only stuck a knife in your chest to take your wallet because the entire system has turned him into a victim of said system. And you are, as a white person, one of the uh, benefactors of this racist system. So therefore, you're the perpetrator of him turning to a life of crime. Do you get what I'm saying? That's essentially where critical legal theory falls. Uh, many who identify with the critical legal studies movement resist or reject... Uh, again, if you want more evidence, the, the people who... the the, the theologians and the social scientists and stuff that are often cited as the basis for critical legal theory are names like Herbert Marcuse and Max Horkheimer, right? Antonio Gramsci. These are like the godfathers of critical legal theory. And if you don't know who they are, then just <laughs> spend a little time and find out. Many who identify with the critical legal studies movement resist or reject efforts to systemize their own work. Systemize. They work to 
they seek to express claims of textual ambiguity <laughs> and historical contingency in their own methods. Influenced by post-modernist developments in cultural studies, these critical scholars prefer episodic interventions to systemized theories. I told you, it's very word salad Some critical scholars press hard on a particular line of argument, then shift away in order to avoid treating the argument itself as a kind of fetish or talisman. Some critical scholars adapt ideas drawn from Marxist and socialist theories to demonstrate how economic power relationships influence legal practices and consciousness, right? Again, this is not some far right-wing blog. This is a Harvard University, Harvard Law School educational material. This is not Breitbart. This is not, you know, Daily Stormer. This is not uh, Gateway Pundit. This is Harvard University. I'll read it again. Some critical scholars adapt ideas drawn from Marxist and socialist theories to demonstrate how economic power relationships influence legal practices and consciousness. This is where you start getting into the realm of subconscious bias. For example, uh, the legal system needs to be overturned because white people have produced this particular system of laws. White people have produced this particular legal system so baked into it must be an unconscious bias towards white people and against black people, right? So you need to overturn the legal system. You need to overturn the traditional method of determining guilt, of argument, of reasoning, of evidence and whatnot. Because at the end of the day, a black guy is a victim of the white system of laws which he is being tried by. And the white people who run the white system of laws that he is being tried by have an unconscious bias towards the black person, so he will in, he will necessarily be a victim of it. This is the thinking of legal, uh, critical legal studies. For others, the Frankfurt School of Critical Theory and its attention to the construction of cultural and so, uh, psychosocial meanings are central to explaining how law uses mechanisms of denial and legitim legitimization. Still others find resonance with postmodernist sensibilities and deconstruction, notably illustrated in literary and architectural works. Some scholars emphasize the importance of narratives and stories in devising critical alternatives to prevailing legal practices. That line again. Some scholars emphasize the importance of narratives and stories in devising critical alternatives to prevailing legal practices. One might say, uh, if you were trying to defund a police department, for example, or go to war with the legal, the justice system, or as you might call it, the injustice system, how important narrative and telling stories is in getting people on board with creating that severe shift in social awareness and change. One may say that. As a real world example, one may point to that. Um, psychologists or, you know, you, you know, even thinking about like outside factors that contribute to kind of the broader legal system. And, um, you know, historians have been writing about this stuff for years. And so it should come as no, it, it comes as no surprise to, to many of us. And, uh, you know, we point to a lot of contemporary studies that illustrate how these policies have shaped, um, these debates and these conversations really since 1865. One thing you will note when you're paying, and again, like I told you, I'm a very boring person, so I've spent 
I spent a lot of my, when I was a younger, more uh, angry activist kind of a guy, <clears throat> I would try to, you know, uh, push back against stuff like this in the best way that I could, in whichever avenue that I could. But it, it eventually was, it, it was eventually made to, aware to me that it was a fruitless exercise. Like, there's no point. People will believe what they want to believe. And you're dealing with the majority of people. I'm not talking about you guys here. I think you guys would get it. But the majority of people out there are, are dumb. Most people are stupid. Or they don't care. Or they agree with it. That's the thing. You are in a teeny tiny little minority of people who care enough to learn about it and then speak out against it and, you know, argue against it. You are a teeny minority. You are at number 10 to 1. So... You know, eventually the anger fades and the activism, it, it gets drawn out of you like you're at a blood bank. And you you just end up, at the end of the process, you end up, because I've written like essays and stuff, whatever. At the end of the process, the you just walk out. get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub you sent myself, Flaccid. At the end of the process, you just walk out, the life drained out of you. You're more pale than when you went in and you feel lightheaded and you haven't achieved a, a, a fucking goddamn thing. The machine is too big and nobody cares. Thank you for the diamond, Spent D. Spent D, by the way, one of the co-hosts on the Sunday night shit show. I missed it yesterday. I'm going to catch the replay a little later on today. I heard it was terrible, which is exactly why I tune in. Sunday night shit show, ladies and gentlemen. Spent D in Frozen Asia. Many critical legal scholars draw upon intellectual currents in literature, pop culture, social theory, history, and other fields to challenge the idea of the individual as a stable, coherent self capable of universal reason and guided by general laws of nature. This is beautiful. In contrast, argue critical scholars, individuals are constituted by complex and completing sources of, and competing, I think it's supposed to say, not completing, complex and competing sources of ideology, social practice, and power relationships. Despite their variety, critical legal studies scholars commonly, quote, seek to demonstrate the interdominiency of legal doctrine and show how any given set of legal principles can be used to yield competing or contradictory results, expose how legal analysis and legal culture mystify outsiders and work to make legal results seem legitimate, and elucidate, elucidate <laughs> new or previously disfavored social visions and ask you argue for their realization in legal and political practices in part by making them part of legal strategies ladies and gentlemen i told you very word salad <clears throat> let me put that link in the chat <clears throat> pardon me and if this is the first you've heard about critical legal studies let that be your launch pad and trust me by the end of it you'll come out with you know you'll look like as, as though you've seen a ghost once you start going down that rabbit hole but when you hear stories of, say, like, when you hear stories of a refugee in Sweden who rapes somebody and gets 12 months suspended sentence, that's critical legal theory in action. When you hear stories of, you know, an underprivileged person shooting somebody in the street and getting, you know, a very, very light sentence, or perhaps a, you know, a sex offender or something like that getting 12 months probation, that's critical legal theory in action. You see, because that person has been a victim their entire life. 
and they're not, in, according to critical legal theory, they're not a rational person who's able to reason what their behaviour is. Instead, they are predetermined to a life of crime. They are predetermined to acting out because the system is broken and needs to be upended. They are a victim of the system. And you, if you are the victim, are merely a perpetrator subconsciously. Like, this is what we're talking about here. Believe it or not. So I didn't, I didn't want to get too far down that rabbit hole, but there we go. We've done it anyway. Uh, tell you what, let's move on, shall we? Just before the break, got a fun little one for you here. Ladies and gentlemen, J.K. Rowling gets backlash over anti-trans tweets. Oh, J.K. Oh, come on now. J.K. Not the Harry Potter woman. No, come on. Remember, remember the last five years of J.K. Rowling? We need more refugees. Everyone's a Nazi. Fuck you. I hate you. I hate you. Now J.K. Rowling is starting to get a reality check of her own. It's, it's Isn't it beautiful? All of the reality checks that are taking place Thank here. Thank you for coming. I'll see you, I'll in, see hell. you in hell. Many people are calling out Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling for a series of anti-trans tweets on Saturday afternoon. Rowling, you know, the first experience I had with this kind of thing was a, a very, very famous feminist in this country, a woman named Jermaine Greer. She now lives in the United Kingdom. She wrote a book in the 70s, I think it was, called The Female Eunuch. And she's been held up as a pillar of feminism in this country and in the UK for the better part of four decades. Four, count them. The feminists have modelled themselves on Jermaine Greer's, you know, uh, brash, outspoken method of feminism. She's been their hero. Now, Jermaine Greer, about six or seven years ago, she was the queen of the university tours. Like, she would go to university campuses and give speeches and all the feminists fucking loved her and she was the best and, you know, who cares, blah, blah, blah. I'm an angry feminist and I'm proud of it. That's her kind of her MO. She got banned from speaking at university campuses here in this country because she said that trans women aren't real women. And as a feminist of the 1970s era, Jermaine Greer was arguing that to say that anybody can be a woman just by announcing it or just by saying that they feel like one diminishes what a woman is. So this hero of the feminist movement was subsequently banned from speaking at all university campuses because she was a transphobe now. That was the first <clears throat> that was the first time in this country where we got uh, a real taste of just how quickly like think of you know we just saw Jacob Frey there dancing with black people in the street crying at George Floyd's funeral being booed and shamed off the stage because he doesn't think it's a good idea to defund the police department in his own city. Of which he is mayor. That's when you realise how quickly <laughs> the pandering and the nonsense can turn around and bite you fair in the asshole, without a moment's warning. That you sh you should be free to have your own opinion as long as we agree with it, and that's when you'll be whooshed, cast out to the wolves. Many people are calling out. Rowling's latest controversy began when she commented on an article from DevX, a media platform for the global development community. The global development community. 
incidentally, if you are a uh, pro-trans rights activist, that uh, that's your right. You can you can do that. I, that doesn't bother me. How do you feel that global corporations are, you know, on your side? Do, do you ever pause for a moment and consider, wait, why is a global development company uh, supporting our push here? Are we the are we the baddies? Are we the bad guys? Perhaps it does. It never gets that far. Uh, opinion: Creating a more equal COVID, COVID pardon me, post COVID nineteen world for people who menstruate. She wrote, "People who menstruate. I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Wumbin or Wimpund or Woomund." Rolling tweeted. There you go. Mocking the idea that people menstruate instead of women. How dare she? She's a disgusting transphobe. People on Twitter immediately called Rowling's comments anti-trans and transphobic, as transgender people, non-binary people, and gender non-conforming people can also menstruate. Rowling followed that tweet up by criticizing the idea that someone's biological sense isn't real. Quote, If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. Is it? She's. It's starting to dawn on her what this is about. <laughs> it's starting, starting to dawn on her. See, that's the thing. Sometimes you can argue with somebody about a whole range of things, and they can be wrong on a whole range of topics. But sometimes, what starts the dominoes falling in someone's head is the most innocuous thing. And sometimes it can be one tiny little particular aspect of one topic that starts the dominoes to fall. It starts the fire burning. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, the entire field is ablaze, right? Wait, wait, what? what? Uh, huh? Huh? I'm sure that she'll be, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that she'll be posting on the Daily Store, but within six months, of course. If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is, JK. See, when other people have been spending the last little period of time saying that speaking the truth should not be a hate crime, you were one of the cunts. Sorry to use a gendered term, you cunt. But you were one of the cunts who were saying, no, 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 absolutely. Truth can be harmful. Truth can be oppressive. Truth is hate. Thank you, Warlord McKenna. Truth is hate. You were one of these menstruating people who was menstruating about other people saying things that you didn't like, you see. She wrote, the idea that women like me who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, you say, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. <laughs> another, another little reality check. See, in this scenario, J.K. Rowling is the frat boy in the studio apartment, and Twitter is the mob throwing rocks through her window, <laughs> and she's screaming, "I'm on your side," but they're not on your side, J.K. They're not on your side. The idea that women like me, who have been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, we still we still hate the men. That's important. Hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences is a nonsense. It's a nonsense, she says. 
It's a nonsense. She added that she respects trans people's right to live comfortably and later struck out at people calling her a turf, a trans exclusionary radical feminist. <laughs> wow. Trans exclusionary radical feminist, a turf, ladies and gentlemen. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. I'm on your side. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. No, it hasn't. It's been shaped by being a bigot, JK. It's been shaped by being a hater, obviously, of being a phobe. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it's hateful to say so. But it doesn't matter what you believe, Ms. Rowling. It doesn't matter. Haven't you figured it out yet? <laughs> You're just a privileged white woman. And that's all you'll ever fucking be. And as a privileged white woman, your opinion, your experience, your lived experience is dog shit. Get that through your thick science fiction skull. When will you learn? You are a you are a rich white female. Nobody gives a fuck about your lived experience on the side that you purport to be for. That's the reality. They will stand behind you as long as you say the right thing. And the second that you say something they don't like, they will chase you into the cornfield because all along, your opinion has been fucking worthless. It's your platform they want. They want your prestige. They want your platform. They want your name brand. They want your notoriety to be in favour of the drive, to be in favour of the agenda. They don't want you... If they could replace you with a, you know, a disabled trans woman of colour, and today they would. And you would be thrown into the pit of non-existence, of non-relevance, like that. But as long as you're saying things that support the agenda, they're all for you. Because it's not really about you, JK. It's about your platform and your brand and your voice being used. The second it's no longer useful, off with a head. The LGBT rights organisation GLAAD responded to Rowling's comments saying the author has aligned herself with an ideology that, quote, willfully distorts facts about gender identity and people who are trans. In 2020, there is no excuse for targeting trans people. Isn't it good to see another current year meme make its way back into regular print? You know, in 2020, we used to think the earth was flat, but now in 2020, we know that there are 300 genders. Current year. <laughs> Rowling has come under fire for voicing similar opinions before. In December, she received backlash for supporting a researcher who had lost her job after saying a person cannot change their biological sex. She's a science denier to boot. Glad had issued a statement in response to Rowling's previous tweets. JK Rowling, whose books gave kids hope that they could work together to create a better world, has now aligned herself with an anti-science ideology that denies the basic humanity of people who are transgender. Trans men, trans women, and non-binary people are not a threat, and to imply otherwise puts trans people at risk. 
Now is the time for allies who know and support trans people to speak up and support their fundamental right to be treated equally and fairly, ladies and gentlemen. So there you have it. The mob. The mob coming for one of their pinup girls, JK Rowling. And look, I don't want to defend JK Rowling, but I will. And I'll say, of course, here's, here's the way I look at it. Of course, J.K. Rowling, even though I would probably disagree with a whole bunch of stuff that she says and I disagree with a whole bunch of her opinions, of course she should be allowed to say whatever she thinks. And I, because she thinks that uh, being a woman is different to being a trans woman, I don't think because she airs that opinion that that makes her a, a hater of anybody. And I'm loath to defend J.K. Rowling, but I must. But unfortunately for J.K., and unfortunately for people like uh, Ms. Rowling, here's the unfortunate situation. You see, before we get to defending you, because I do, I would defend you, but before we get to defending you, there is a whole football stadium full of people that deserve being defended ahead of you. You see, because you were one of the scum that were helping to castigate and label people as Nazis and racists and phobes and hate and misogynists and homophobes and stuff. You've been part of that machine to get a whole bunch of people shunned unfairly. So they deserve defending first. And I tell you what, when we get through defending all of those people, maybe we'll work our way down to you. Maybe we'll get down to where you are. But there's a whole bunch of people who are ahead of the in line ahead of you, JK. And maybe this is one area where your privilege and your white the all of the things that you believe in, the white privilege, the the rich privilege, right? Maybe this is one area where it's probably not going to work in your favor. Because maybe we should apply a little of little of your own logic. And before we defend you defend a whole bunch of people who do not have a platform, an international platform, and millions of dollars and mansions. Maybe they, we should defend them first. And I tell you what, in about 50 years or so, when we've gotten through that list, if you're still around, maybe we'll stick up for you. But until then, go shit in your hat. Too bad, so fucking sad. Although I agree that you shouldn't be treated like this for merely stating an opinion. <laughs> I'm not going to fucking lose any sleep over you either. You deceitful, wicked bitch. So, them's the breaks. And when we get through the good people, maybe we'll get to the shit at the end of the list, like you. With that, ladies and gentlemen, on that happy note, uh, I'm going to take a quick five-minute break because my drink needs refreshing and I need to go to the little boy's room. Uh, if you'd like to stick around, then please do. Thank you for sharing the show out. We'll be back in five with much more to be sorry about. Thank you for joining us here on Monday night edition of The Daily Boogie. Your novelty comedy songs, organic, handmade with painstaking care, put into every note. Well, look no further. 
than irrational times. Using only the finest instruments to create an experience that your ears will thank you for later. Irrational Times attempts to elevate the whimsy to a desirable level. New songs and sketches every week, so check it out. Idiot boogie bumper. Idiot boogie bumper. Idiot boogie bumper. Really giving that one a workout? Come on. <laughs> DLive.tv slash JJ Stoner. And we love JJ here on the show. It's the JJ Stoner Spring Collection. The perfect attire for any and every occasion you can think of this season. Like we were in the mosh pit full of sweat and everyone slapping, hitting, and pulling on you. This shit won't rip. Lunch at your favorite cafe? Brunch with the girls? These stylish ensembles will give you the confidence you need to look and feel your best. Or if you're getting arrested for possession, it comes with a built-in police stick-proof body armor. Keep swinging, pigs! Call now, and your order will come with a complimentary ounce of that dankest bubblegum slur cane that the South has to offer. Don't forget the wall tapestry! If you need to cover your wall, it works! Converted, narcissistic, and most importantly, completely pointless. Come waste an hour of your week with The Starting Block, Friday nights Australian time at dlive.tv forward slash The Starting Block. Get in touch with us on Twitter at The Starting Block, no K at the end. Also, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes by searching for The Starting Block, or one word, or on Podbean at startingblock.podbean.com. Join the Blockheads, tuning in in their millions right around the world. Hello, my name is Frozen Asian, and I like to tell you about my show, The Sunday Night Shit Show, every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, along with the good conversations and laughing at funny and weird shit we find on the internet. We also have The Hat Count, where I showcase my myriad of great-looking hats. Here is a testimonial from a great friend of mine who has enjoyed my hats lately. Hi. I hope your next hat is a bullet. Jesus Christ, what are you, fucking Asian Dick Tracy? you? You have to ruin my evening. Like, I, I'm just going to just listen, you know, listen to my bud do their show. And you, you got to, you just got to do this. <laughs> so you're not enjoying it? No! <laughs> Dude, Asian uh, come Dick on, really enjoy it. You look no. like you're going undercover <laughs> in, in Argentina, but it's now working. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. I hate oh, come on, you secretly really love it. No, no, I openly hate it. <laughs> <laughs> And there you have it. Uh, so subscribe to the Sunday Night Shit Show at youtube.com slash Sunday Night Shit Show. And uh, hope to see you there on Sunday nights. Bye. Feeling depressed? Need someone to tell you it's not okay? Do you like goth public access TV? 
Then join me for The Big Empty every Sunday at noon. Major underscore Tom on DLive with zeros for O's because everything in your life is that difficult. Hey, Patriots, this is your favorite Southerner, Doc Martin. Just wanted to remind you to put on your calendars to join me and your favorite near-to-wheel Yankee, Bill D'Angelo, on Saturday nights, beginning with Promises Kept at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, followed by the Speakeasy with all of your favorite Patriots. You never know what we might cuss and discuss. That's right, Doc Martin. This is everybody's favorite Yankee, Phil D'Angelo speaking. And on Saturday night, we could have Kimmy, wise censored, affectionately known as Electrolux, the original grandma, UK Neil, Rusty, and his famous sound test show, Coffee Talk with Sandra, Earth Citizen, Stefan, the infamous Grandma Sears, Mac Daddy may even make a show up, or virtually anyone else in the world for some irrelevant fun. Yankee, you mean some irreverent fun. So be sure to join us on Twitch, Periscope, DLive, or YouTube. That's right, Doc. Follow us at Winning TV on all of those channels. So be sure and put it on your calendar. We'll be looking for you. We'll leave the porch light on. I still think it's irrelevant fun. But why are you fumbling for coins when you'll have a heavy bag? <laughs> There's a place that we can go. Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More right around this world can get you down. There's just one thing you can do. And shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Coming back. Thank you for sticking around, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Second half of the show coming up for you here on the Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie. The Daily Boogie. It's alright, it's it's like the future. It's like thinking about the future and all that kind of stuff. It's like fucking good, man. It's like fucking wild, isn't it? Thank you for joining us. Uh, So 
much to get through, ladies and gentlemen. So little time. I just do want to mention uh, a quick little uh, serious thing, if I could, just for a moment. Uh, friend of ours, friend of the show, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Coffee Talk with Sandra. You know her. Uh, she does a show, I think, at 9 p.m. now. It was 9 a.m. Central. I do, don't, don't use Central Time, man. I don't know Central Time. I just go off. I'm sorry to everybody who's not on the East Coast of the States, but everybody, I'm sorry, everybody else around the world when it comes to, like, what time is it in the United States? Everybody uses New York. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's where the fucking stock exchange is. That's that's the the hub. People only care about the time in New York. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I think it's 9 p.m. Central, which I think would be 8 p.m. Eastern. I don't I don't know. Let's just say 8 p.m. Eastern. 9 p.m. Central, you figured it out. <laughs> Flyover country times do not matter. <laughs> Flyover country people do not matter, and flyover country times do not matter. I'm glad we got that sorted out. No, and neither does the West Coast. Everybody just uses the East Coast. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so she's on sometime at night now. Damn location discrimination. Sorry, bro. Sorry, I don't make the rules. So uh, we just want to give a shout out to our friend Coffee Talk with Sandra, who... If it, a lot of us know her probably a lot better than other people do, but Sandra is like always like if anybody is you know if anybody's under the gun if anybody's down she's always the first one. It's it, it sounds like a cliched thing to say, but with her it's actually true. She's always the first one to help people out when they're down. She's always the first one to offer help. She's always the first one, um, you know, to try and help people who you know, uh, going through a rough patch and she's going through a bit of a rough patch now. So I just wanted to throw this up and I'll put the link in the chat for you. Um, look, every, every fucking asshole starting a GoFundMe. So why can't a good person have one <laughs> as far as I'm concerned? And if you were going to give money to a GoFundMe, instead of, uh, donating to a GoFundMe that is filled with ass hats, pushing, um, ridiculous causes, and you know subversive things if you if you had a little bit of gofundme cash aside uh why not throw a bit at sandra so she's going through some health problems and the health costs are astronomical she's a mother of 3 uh she's doing her absolute best and like i said she's always the first person to jump in and help anybody else when they need it and you know maybe uh, maybe a little bit can come, maybe a little bit of karma can kick in and come back her way. So uh, I'll be putting this link in the show notes as well. And if you get a chance, help out our friend, Sandra, our Jersey Goyle, uh, Sandra, like if, if for nothing else, she should have started to go find me to get her out of fucking New Jersey, but <laughs> sorry. No, it is serious. I can't, I can't, I have to, I have to make it like, you know, a little bit boogie styled, but no, all jokes aside, uh, She's going through some health stuff. So if you want to help Sandra out and if you've got it, like I said, a little bit of a couple of bucks to throw at a GoFundMe, uh, why not throw it at a GoFundMe that's actually for a good person, for a good cause and, you know, help her out a little bit with some unexpected astronomical uh, health costs and maybe just maybe help just try and make uh, a difficult situation just a teeny tiny little bit easier. Uh, for our friend Sandra, Coffee Talk with Sandra, who's on at 9pm Central and fuck knows when that is. So I'll be sharing that link all week and it'll be in the show notes as well. 
like I said, she's always the first person to help everybody else out. So it always like I, you know, Bill Hicks once said it. <laughs> Bill Hicks is a fucking comedy god. He did go a little cucky from time to time, but I don't care. I still love the guy. And he said, "Why is it that we always uh, we always let the fucking good people die?" but we let these demons run around on planet Earth. Like, why does that happen? We kill the good guys and we let the demons run the place. Well, I can tell you, like, from personal experience, Sandra is one of the good guys. She's one of the good ones. And she's starting to... <laughs> you mean Alex Jones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's only white people. Fuck it. <laughs> They're all crackhead meth heads. Fuck See, he, Alex Jones can't be Bill Hicks because Bill Hicks, if Bill Hicks was Alex Jones, he wouldn't be on his show going, all of these crackhead, methhead, motherfucking white people out there looting places. Instead, uh, Kimmy with a diamond. Thank you, Boogie. No, thank you. Um, if it was Bill Hicks, he wouldn't be saying that the crackhead, methhead, white kids are looting places. If it was Bill Hicks, he'd be like, he'd be saying how wonderful it is that everybody's taking meth. You know what I mean? Well, it's about time that white people started taking more drugs. You take more drugs and then you take the Nikes. That's the way it works, folks. Anyway, fuck George Bush. <laughs> All right, where were we? Um, oh, that's right. We were apologizing. Well, how about this to get us back into the mood, get us back in the groove? Um, how about the anti-apology? You're going to fucking love this story. I love this story. I love this woman. I want to marry her. Chris Schatzel. I have no idea who she is. Well, that's not true. We kind of know who she is based on a story we did last week. I think on Friday. Have a look at this. Chris Schatzel. Schatzel. She shot herself. Russian-born influencer defends US protest photo shoot. Now, what are we talking about? Do you remember this story last week? Remember, we played this clip of this woman getting in front of the Black Lives... So she's standing on the side. She stands in front of the protesters, holds up a Black Lives Matter sign and gets her photo taken in lingerie and a flowing black, uh, black gown. And I said, this is where protests uh, cease to be relevant, is when they're being used for uh, fashion statements, right? When Instagram influencers are using them for clicks, that's when you know a protest no longer is relevant but this fucking woman she doesn't she doesn't give a fuck russians are based no not tone deaf at all but see this is the thing so we mocked her last week i'm gonna have to double back i'm gonna have to say i was wrong i mocked her i mocked her mercilessly and i said how shallow it is and how empty it is now i love her because <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna show you why <laughs> this is fantastic this is the only way to respond. So she's on board with the outrage, but only to a point. So when the outrage comes knocking at her door, she gives them the finger. It's fucking beautiful. Another influencer has been lashed after uh, being accused of using Black Lives Matter protests for a photo shoot, but she insists it's all a misunderstanding. No, no, you're idiot. You idiot. You don't understand. Here in Russia, we always use a protest. <laughs> Why does my Russian sound Chinese? I don't know. Footage of Russian-born Chris Schatzel went viral over the weekend after Twitter account influencers in the wild posted a video of her posing at a Los Angeles protest. Protests have been happening across the United States in response to the killing of George Floyd. Okay. 
the video. We'll show the video again. Why not? Just so we can get a bit of context here for people who didn't see it last week. There she is. Standing. Okay. Black Lives Matter. She moves from the side of the road in front of the group, holding up the little sign, taking a photo, looking very, looking very glamorous, of course. She's an Instagram thought. <laughs> the reaction to the video was swift with the post caption, stop treating protests like a Coachella part 17. Miss Schatzel responded to the controversy. She didn't apologize. Drew Brees. Hey, here's a fucking news flash for Drew Brees and Mrs. Drew Brees. Cause we're going to get to Drew Brees in a second here. Because I did the video last week, Drew Brees apologizes for having an opinion. It's on my YouTube channel. If you haven't watched it, go back and watch it for a bit of context. We fucking hammered Drew Brees last week. And we're going to hammer him again. We're going to sack Drew Brees. Um, <laughs> Drew Brees needs to take a leaf out of this, this based Russians fucking playbook. Because this is the way you respond when people demand an apology. Even though I don't agree with what she's doing, even though I think what she's doing is shallow and shitty and yuck, but it's, hey, it's Instagram. What the fuck do you expect? Instagram is a sewer. Instagram is an awful cesspool of thottery. So, of course, this happens on Instagram. I'm not surprised. I don't fucking like it. I don't use Instagram. <laughs> but even though I disagree with that, I love her reaction to people getting angry about her doing Black Lives Matter thoughtery. Look at this. Miss Schatzel responded to the controversy by sharing a photo from the protest and a, oh, no, and a lengthy apology in which she admitted... Oh, well, fuck, I should have read ahead. <laughs> now I take it all back again. I take it all back again. In which she admitted the backlash she had received was overwhelming. She also said that she had the biggest empathy. I have biggest empathy for George Floyd. I have a big empathy. My empathy is fucking massive. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. She also said that she had the biggest empathy for George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. I can also understand that I may have not chosen the best avenue to spread the message by doing a photo shoot after the peaceful protest, and I take full responsibility for that. However, however, this is the bit that I wanted. However... The influencer slammed those who had taken her to task about posing the photos as Miss Schatzel argued she had only been trying to spread awareness. <laughs> Listen to this. In conclusion, so she starts attacking the people who were demanding an apology from her. In conclusion, I truly believe this level on this level on intolerance and hateful comments are detrimental to the movement and what we are all trying to achieve for black and brown communities. I'm on your side! Woo! We are all trying to achieve. <laughs> we are trying to achieve things for the black and brown community. I know, why is... I used to be able to do a good Russian accent. I think I've been doing the Chinese too long. Yeah. Yes, sure. In conclusion... I believe this level of intolerance and hateful comments are detrimental to movement and what we are all trying to achieve for our black and brown community. I hope we can all focus on the true cause as to why we are all here. Peace out. Is that better? That's a little bit better. There she is. <laughs> I hope we can all focus on the true cause as to why we are all here. But her, she admits that her cause was to get clicks on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but Miss Schatzel's response only seemed to spark more backlash. With people questioning whether she had actually taken part in the march or just posed for the pictures. You put more effort into your outfit than your sign. That alone shows what your priorities were during the protest. If only she had a smile, uh, a sign talking about how much she loves black penis. No, that would be racist too, as we learned earlier today. Please stop making protest signs that reference black dick from the good people of Slate. You can easily show support for BLM on social media, dressing up, walking into a protest just to take a photo. Uh, absolutely disrespectful and makes a mockery of people who are genuinely here for change. I will, I will and have bent knee for George Floyd and this movement, but I will never bend knee for this criticism. Believe what you want to and do your best. <laughs> oh, yes. Last week, vegan activists, remember we played that video. Lauren Rebecca Perez used a TikTok video to urge people to connect the dots and think of animals the same way they think of the Black Lives Matter movement infuriating protesters. Unfortunately, she's taken that video down now. She's retracted that video. But that was one of the greatest things that I've seen on the internet, like in my life, was the girl saying, you know, I'm a vegan activist and what we really need to do is think of black people and animals as the same thing. <laughs> And she meant it. She thought that she was doing a good thing. It was one of the best things you've ever seen on the internet. We played it on this show. You know what they say about giving an inch. Yes, you'll give inch, they take a kilometer. So there you have it. The Russian influencer. Stop attacking me. If you keep attacking me, then everybody will be confused as to why we are here. We are here because of our dead black man. And I will take picture in my uh, lingerie for dead black men because we are fighting for justice of uh, racial kind. You know what I mean. Just because I am an attractive white woman does not mean that I should deserve the same kind of treatment for taking picture at rally for dead black men. <laughs> Chris Satter, I, I think I've redeemed myself with the Russian. Uh, I'm so I'm so sorry. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about, I told you this story. Do you remember me? I think I spoke about it on this show. It might've been the starting block. I'm doing, I'm doing too many fuck. Yeah, normal. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone same side. Yeah. <laughs> First strike. <laughs> Cabaret in the chat. So I think it was on the starting block. I, I can't remember. But people were starting to get really outraged for some reason. Oh, yeah, it was a starting block because there was a there's a woman in this country named, uh, God, I can't even remember her name. That's how relevant she is. She used to be on MTV and now she's on like the Australian version of The View and she just does like racism, racisms, my racisms all the time. Um, she, she, I guess she would call herself an influencer too. So she was, she put out a tweet, something like, I've been watching like old shows and I never realized how racist Friends is. <laughs> because, because, of course, Friends, it's all white people, right? Well, whatever. Um, so Friends is apparently, like, oppressive and racist and you need to learn and stop watching it. It's garbage. Your Chinese is better than your Russian. <laughs> Thank you, Winning TV with a diamond. Why are you fumble for coins? We have a, have a bag. 
So Friends is apparently like evil and racist because it's all full of white people. Those disgusting, awful white people who aren't Russian, by the way. And people were like responding on this Twitter thread that how, oh, wow, I never noticed how racist Friends was before because they're all white. It's awful. Blah, 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 blah. So I found I found this little fucking gem here. Now, I don't, I don't like Friends. Like, I'm not a fan of the show. I can I can go <laughs> sometimes. But I'm more of like, when we're talking about the sitcoms from the 90s, I'm a Seinfeld guy, not a Friends guy. You know what I mean? I don't like Friends. I don't like Will and Grace. I don't like The Nanny. I don't like those hacky shows. I like Seinfeld. So here, <laughs> this is fucking amazing. So the woman, uh, her name is Kaufman, something Kaufman, Diana Kaufman, Dana Kaufman. The woman who was a producer on Friends, the woman who created the show Friends, was doing a live stream with a bunch of other women. And obviously the topic of this conversation that's been taking place on the internet over the last couple of weeks came up. And she, she couldn't help herself. She, she goes on this live stream and you know what? I'm just, I'll let this play out. I'll let you see for yourself what the creator of Friends, instead of defending their product... And before anybody says, well, you know, because I see a lot of people saying shit like it's a conservative show, blah, 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 blah. It really wasn't. If you actually look at like a lot of the premises, for example, one of the main characters, Chandler, his dad was a gay crossdresser. Over Edge with a diamond. Thank you for the diamond, Over Edge. One, so one of the main characters' dad was a gay crossdresser. Um, Ross, right? His ex-wife was in a lesbian relationship raising a child. Like, there were so many progressive things in that show. Like, one after another, after another, after another, after another. <clears throat> because it was based in, like, New York liberal world in the 1990s. So it was actually far ahead of the curve back then in the 90s for what they would push and what they would do and the characters that they would have. But now in 2020, that's not good enough. It was fucking racist, man, because it was only white people. <laughs> this is cloud world. This is the insanity that we're living in now. So now this woman, who was being very progressive only like a generation ago, is now a Nazi. <laughs> She's now a bigot. She's a racist. And look at this. She gives a Drew Brees-like performance on this on this live stream, trying to apologize, trying to throw herself at the mercy of the progressive underworld about the show that she made in 1990s called Friends. Have a look. I would have made it. I get sorry. <laughs> I just wish I knew that what I know now. I, I just wish I was as progressive as now then as I am now. <laughs> I just I just wish I knew. You know, I just wish back then when I was doing characters that were gay cross-dressing fathers and lesbian mothers, I just wish that I had have been more progressive. <laughs> It's never enough. It's never enough. I would make look at look at all very the, different decisions. I mean, we've all look at all the nodding on the panel. Mm -hmm, mm, mm, mm -hmm. And the, they're they're smiling that cringe smiling like yes, 
Somebody is crying here talking about how they're not progressive enough. This is what we want to see. This is what we need to see. This is what we need. Constant, <laughs> constant self-flagellation, uh, right? We need to constantly batter ourselves. We need to become the feminist version of Silas, that fucking albino in the Da Vinci Code who whips himself with barbed wire and shit. It's never enough. You need to repent constantly to the progressive God. <laughs> I just, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that it was going to be racist. I didn't know the thing that I was making 30 years ago would be classed as racist today. And it's my fault. <laughs> okay. Imagine walking around with the, imagine walking around being one of these people. Imagine what the world looks like to you. Imagine the constant layers of sin and guilt and shit, right? Imagine hating yourself to this extent. She is literally blaming herself for the fact that we are now in clown world because she wasn't being clownish back then. It's unbelievable. Instead of, say, if it was me, I would say, you know what, no. Uh, I made a fucking hit television show that was on air for a decade and everybody loved it and it won awards and it's one of the most talked about sitcoms in all time and one of the most popular sitcoms in all time. Fuck you. That's what I would say. I would say it's very hard to make a successful TV show for 10 years, but I did it. And you can say, oh, it wasn't progressive enough and it was racist and stuff, but you know what? Fuck you. You're an idiot. You make a TV show that's better, then you talk to me. That's what I would say. You make one, okay, you make one that's better, you make one that's more successful, and then come to me and tell me how mine was bad. But until then, go shit in your hands and clap. Right? That would be the appropriate response. Instead, what do we get? <laughs> if only I knew now, if only I knew then what I knew now, I could have done it so much better. I could have done what you wanted me to, but I can't change the past. <laughs> I think about it all the time. Oh my God, I was awful and racist. It was awful. <laughs> God. The fuck is wrong with you? Millionaire TV show producer still crying, begging for fucking acceptance. Get a grip. Sorry. I'm sorry. I just wish I knew I'm that sorry. that I know now. I would make. <laughs> Very different decisions. I mean, we've always... Good, good point in the chat from starting vlog. Greeno, aren't the millions that watched it more racist than the creators because the viewers were enjoying the all-white cast? One can only assume, Greeno. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not a racist. I was just putting racist propaganda out there. It's not my fault that everybody loved it. Encouraged... Um, people of diversity in our company... People of diversity. <laughs> it's not people of colour anymore. How about that? Uh, I'm sorry, if you're a person of colour, you have now been relegated to diversity. You have been, you have been demoted. <laughs> now you're just people of diversity. <laughs> Isn't it funny that... People of diversity encompasses all but one group of people <laughs> because that group of people is not diverse. 
That group is all one. That group is all the same. The white people are not diverse in any way, shape or form. Anybody except white people, they are people of diversity now. <laughs> it seems like we're the minority. <laughs> Straight white people are now the minority. How about that? Because <laughs> anybody else is now classed as people of diversity. There's a whole lot of fucking people of diversity. Wow. I am so diverse. Thank you. <laughs> people of diversity. <laughs> exactly. Jennifer in the chat. Look at her. She's terrified to say the wrong word. People of diversity people in our company. Diversity. But I didn't do enough. And now all I can think about is what can I do? What can I do differently? Um, how can I run my show in a new way? Thankfully, you're not running a show anymore. So that's good news for everyone, I think. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these are the people ruining television. These are the people ruining entertainment. These are the people ruining comedy right here. This is your little, this is your little cabal here. Thank you for the diamond key wizard. These, this is the mindset that is ruining entertainment for everybody. If you want to enjoy like um, unshackled opinion or uh, real comedy, like I like real comedy. Like I've I've spoken about them before. Revenge of the Sis, right? I fucking love. The reason I like that show as much as I do, I laugh. I genuinely laugh. <laughs> Over edge with the diamond. Thank you for the diamond. Says whites are colorless and have no culture. <laughs> we have nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I probably shouldn't use Sergeant Schultz. So one of the reasons I'll share uh, Revenge of the Sith is because it makes me fucking laugh. And there is so much shitty comedy now that it's it, I don't even know how it gets called comedy. It doesn't make me laugh at all. It doesn't. I don't know how it makes anybody laugh. So I like, you know, I like to watch things that make me laugh or entertain me or teach me something or whatever. So if you want real comedy now, what do you have to do? You have to go like onto a, you have to find a live stream link, which is very difficult to find because more often than not, you're not getting a fucking notification for it anyway. And you have to, um, you know, you have to go seek it out. It's not going to be on TV anymore. It's not going to be on stage anymore. It's not going to be in movies anymore. You have to you have to find like little communities on the internet to find real comedy where people share out links and then you have to enjoy it for as long as you can before it gets fucking banned. That's how you find real comedy now. And when it gets banned, you have to go to the new platform and the new website. And you have to chase you have to chase the comedy around like you're hunting a fucking fox in 18th century England. That's how hard it is just to laugh on the internet now. Because everything else, like everything else that's put out for your consumption, tastes like arsenic mixed, mixed with pig shit. It's disgusting, and I don't want any part of it. The only real comedy, the only real information, the only real entertainment now is coming from, I'm not going to say places like this, because that's not me, obviously. But, but people who do something like this who do a, like a live stream or a podcast or whatever. And you have to hunt it out yourself and make the most of it while it's there because it probably won't be there very long. 
Because when enough people get wind of it, then they'll shut it down. That's how that's that's the commitment to real laughs that you have to make in order to experience them now. <clears throat> it's pretty fucking shitty. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't, if only I had been a better person in 1993 than I am in 2020. Oh my goodness. I, if I would do it so much better now. The great irony to this is if she did the kind of show then that she thinks that she should have done now, then the show that she did then would never have succeeded. They would have done one pilot and it would have been scrapped because nobody would be fucking watching the shit back then. <laughs> now it probably would be a success because everybody would get behind it and say what a wonderful show it is. And even though nobody's watching it, they would just say because racism, that's why nobody's watching. Uh, how are we going for time? We got a little time. Let's go back to Drew. We touched on Drew Brees last week, ladies and gentlemen. We spoke about the apologies not doing anything to make people feel better about themselves. Apologies in a political context are just about power. It's about saying to somebody, I have the power to make you denounce your own words. Well, we predicted that this would not get better for Drew because do you remember, I think it was one of his teammates said, look, I don't think Drew is a racist. But now after this second apology, because he apologized twice, the first apology didn't take. They didn't like the first apology. No, don't like that first one, Drew. Try again. So he tried again. He was on the verge of tears like a friend's producer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so after the second apology, I think it was one of his teammates came out and said, look, Drew's not a racist. <clears throat> and due to this second apology, I think that he's ready to put the work in to make it better. And that's when we discovered that, you know, the apology isn't the end of it. If you think the apology is going to be it, guess again. The apology now just means that you have been inculcated into the activism. Because you just know that Drew would be getting phone calls from now on saying, Drew, uh, we're having a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter. I think it would be a good idea if you showed up. I think it would be a good idea if you said something because, you know, you want to prove to everybody that that second apology was real, don't you? He's become an activist, he's become an ally, and he didn't even fucking know it. This is how they rope you in. Now, Drew, your ass belongs to them. So, <clears throat> Shannon Sharp clears the air with Drew Brees. We wanted you to be one of us. One of us. One of us. In response to the killing of George Floyd, an unarmed black man who died in police custody. Yes, we all know who George Floyd is now. Protests and demonstrations have swept the nation and the globe. Ben K. Veritas with a diamond. Bow! <laughs> uh, demonstrations have swept the nation and the globe and hundreds of professional athletes have issued responses on social media and joined in the movement. But on Wednesday of last week, an interview with Yahoo Finance, Breezed was asked how he believed the NFL should respond during the upcoming season if players choose to kneel during the anthem now <laughs> have a listen to this i don't i don't i don't know who shannon sharp is i'm pro i'm sure he's probably a very fucking important guy who everybody cares about i don't i couldn't care less who he is um but here's what this guy he's a blue check mark on twitter and he's on television by the looks of it so let's see after so because remember an apology is never going to be good enough now you've got to be part of the movement now you've got to be part of change now you've got to be an active member of the community so this is what this guy said after the second apology from drew Brees. have a look 
Oh, and what's made the black fight so hard is people like Drew Brees, Skip, because if you can't get a guy that grew up with blacks in the locker room from high, from peewee to high school to college to the NFL to understand the black man's plight, who will? What about guys that's not around blacks on a daily basis that have not been mm -hmm. around blacks on a daily basis like Drew Brees? Drew Brees says something, Skip, that I found I found insulting to be a quite honest. Insulting. <laughs> See, I, I know for a fact that Drew Brees didn't say anything about Shannon Sharp. I know that because he didn't mention Shannon Sharp, but Shannon Sharp found it insulting. Honest with you. He said, My grandfathers fought in World War II. Hmm. I did not know two men won World War II, Skip. They sh Insulting? <laughs> this is bullshit with the diamond says CTE is a motherfucker. <laughs> you know, Skip. You know, Skip, this Drew Brees, like, motherfucker, if we can't teach a guy like Drew Brees who's grown up with a black man in the changing rooms to understand, by the way, don't mention a black man penis, that's offensive. But if you <laughs> stop making your sides about the black penises, okay? It's racist. So if we can't teach a guy like Drew, teach, if we can't, if we can't get a guy like Drew Brees to get it, if we can't teach a guy like Drew Brees to understand the plight of the black man, even though he been, uh, like working and growing up with the black men in the in the locker rooms and shit like his whole life, right? Like how are we gonna teach anybody else? And he said something the other day that I found insulting, Skip. Like I was offended by this shit. I was insulted. He said that his two grandfathers uh fought in World War II. I'm sorry, I didn't know that World War II was won by two guys. <laughs> Look at the look at the co-host. Look at the look on the co-host's face. <laughs> He's like <sighs> Because the co-host isn't a fucking idiot like this guy. The co-host now knows that he's gonna get a whole bunch of outrage from the veterans. He's going to get a whole bunch of outrage from the people who are offended at what he's offended by. <laughs> the outrage never stops. The outrage never ends. If, if, you, if you say you're outraged by something and make an outrageous comment, guess who's coming to knock it? Excuse me, I don't like your comment about the outrage. <laughs> The co-host is actually a bigger fuckwit, Credo, in the chat. <laughs> Should be commended. But did he know that black men fought a lot uh, alongside his grandfather? In Fuck it out. <laughs> Gypsy with the diamond. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? Gypsy says he was crying because of all of the big black dick. World War II, although in segregated military, Skip, they were fighting in a foreign land from a, for a freedom that when they came home, mm -hmm. they did not enjoy yeah. like Drew Brees' grandfathers did. Oh, did Drew oh. know 
that black men. Oh. <laughs> I just can't keep fucking digging, mate. <laughs> and that war military, when they came home, that were caught in their military uniform. How dare you be proud of your fucking grandfather, you Nazi cunt. A lot of times were beaten, jailed, and even killed. Does he realize that, Skip, that every war that's ever been fought in American history... Does he realize, Skip, that his grandfathers weren't doing enough to uh, understand the plight of the fucking black man, huh? When they was over there fighting the Nazis, huh? How come they didn't come home and start fighting their own government for the freedom of the fucking black man, Skip, huh? How come they do that? Every white American war hero is a piece of racist shit, Skip. I'm here, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Every fucking war hero from the United States that's white that went over there to fight for freedoms in Europe is a racist motherfucker, Skip, okay? Do you think he understand that? Huh, Skip? <laughs> Skip. Do you think he get that Skippy boy? Hey! Black men have fought valiantly. <laughs> you exactly in the chat, Scott Fogler. You killed the Nazis, you Nazi. <laughs> in that war. In the Revolutionary War, Skip, they said they uh, uh, the blacks were fighting for their master's freedom. Freedom that they were not going to get. Even though they were told, if you pick up arms and fight alongside us, upon you returning, you can gain your freedom. When they came back home, Skip, guess what? They were enslaved again. Listen to it, Skip, huh? You hearing me, Skip? Skip right now is going to be like, hey, man, don't get angry. <laughs> don't be an angry black guy. <laughs> Skip, you hear me, Skip? You dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Skip's copping a beating here. You listen to me, Skip, you white piece of shit. Did they understand that, huh, Skip? Skip, answer me, boy. You hear me, boy? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Shut the fuck up, Skip. <laughs> Shut up, Skip, you fucking prick. <laughs> Skip's not getting a word out. You ain't black, Skip. <laughs> and some... The reason in the oh yeah, I just hope this fucking I, skips to sitting there. Look at the look on his skips sitting there thinking. I I just wish this segment would end. I just want this to be over. <laughs> skip you punk bitch. <laughs> a lot of reasons, Skip. George Washington signed a military act in 1792, saying blacks couldn't join the military. Yep. Uh, yep, I agree with everything that you say as long as it'll make you stop talking. They fought so well, and some of the so officers said they fought so well and valiantly, he took it out. But guess what the British did? British says, if you run away and... <laughs> Look at that fucking picture. <laughs> Look at poor Skip. <laughs> Ooh. Skip's like, dude, you're kind of spurging out on me a little bit with the World War II shit. Isn't this a sports show? <laughs> you know what this is? Um, so I do a show once a week with Greeno, who's in the chat, the starting block, and it's we just talk shit. But this is the face that Gre what Skip is doing here now, this is the face that Greeno gives me when I start talking politics on the starting block. That's exactly how he looks at me. He's like, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> and don't you sit there with that smug fucking smile on your face skip you motherfucker you dumb white motherfucker
Skip, you need to hear this shit. Did you hear about did you hear about the black guys in World War II, Skip? Skip, did you know that the British was like fucking they said how good the black man was fighting in World War II and shit? Did you know about that, Skip, huh? Have you read your history books, you fucking motherfucker? Say something, Skip, you bitch. <laughs> Poor Skip. Fucking hell. Skip's taking a pounding here. He didn't even know he was in a fight. And fight with us, we'll give you your freedom. And immediately George Washington received. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Look at the look. <laughs> now look at the shot of Skip. You can see the finger point in the shot from the other guy. You can see Shannon Sharp's finger point, like right at Skip. Look at that. Isn't that fucking beautiful? <laughs> Look at you, Skip. You part of the problem, motherfucker. You didn't even know about the black men in World War II, did you, Skip, huh? I bet you say you love the flag, too. You part of the problem, bitch. Descended the order. I can't believe you, Drew. What would make you think at this moment, Skip, eight, nine days after George Floyd had lost his life, that you would bring up the military and the flag again, Skip? I told you. Skip, if you want to talk about... Eight, eight, nine days after George Floyd was killed. That's not that's not a long enough grace period to bring up what the flag means to you. See, you know, I, I guess it's two weeks. Is that the minimum? Maybe it's three. Maybe it's a year. I'm not sure. What's the general accepted length of time <laughs> after George Floyd's death that somebody can talk about why they love the flag? I didn't know that the two were linked, but whatever. About B. And I don't want to talk about B. I'm going to talk about C. I'm going to talk about D. I'm going to talk about everything except what you want to talk about. Because uh. that's an issue I do not want to face. You hear me, Skip? You hear me? You cracker motherfucker? Drew, blacks fought in World War II alongside your grandfather and did not have the freedoms that they had when they came home, Skip, although they had sacrificed the exact same thing you as your grandfather's did. So let me get this straight, Skip. I sacrifice. It is undisputed because Skip isn't disputing anything. Skip, let me get this right, Skip. As much as you do in a foreign land fighting for freedom for people that when I get home. I you didn't fight, you fucking dick. Fuck this shit. So let me get this right, Skip. I sacrifice as much as you do. You know what, Shannon? You didn't fucking fight in World War II, you dumb fucking cunt. How do you like that? Oh, I sacrifice, I sacrifice, I sacrifice. You fucking sacrifice nothing. Fuck this guy. If you want to talk about sacrifice, let's talk. Okay, 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 skip. Huh, skip. You want to talk about sacrifice? How many fucking American cities were leveled like European cities, Shannon? You dumb motherfucker. How many, what, was, it, was Washington leveled like Berlin? Was Chicago leveled like fucking London? Talk about, I sacrificed, you've sacrificed, fuck all. You're a fucking meathead on a sports talk show. Trying to give fucking history lessons. No, 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 fucking outrage. Fucking shut up. Jesus Christ. I don't get. And Drew's like, that flag means so much. Drew, do you realize, think about the black man, that flag. 
for 250 years in slavery, another 150 years of, 100 years of Jim Crow. And so you automatically assume that a black man should see, feel the same pride for the flag as you and your grandfather's? Skip, that's what makes me upset, Skip, is that some think that only whites served in the military. Man, <laughs> you're making this all up. He spoke about his two... I'm not even defending Drew Brees now at this point. He spoke about when he sees the flag, he thinks of his two grandfathers. And you're now on a rant saying that that's not fucking good. You're not allowed to think of your two grandfathers. You're supposed to be thinking of the fucking black men. How about you think about the fucking black men, Shannon? You think about what you want to think about. Let him think about what he wants to fucking think about. How about that? No, that's not good enough, you see. No, Drew, you need to think about what we want you to think about. You need to have the opinion that I want you to have. Nobody's going up to Shannon going, you know what, Shannon? I think you need to think what I think about the flag. How about that? And fuck you, you racist piece of shit if you don't. Nobody's saying that to Shannon. Maybe they should. Maybe they fucking should. And that flag means so much. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, I guarantee you, if you poll some players in the NFL, they have grandfathers or great-grandfathers that served in World War II. So, so what? <laughs> Say something, Skip, you dumb motherfucker. And World War I. Skip, this is what was said. In August of 1917, there was a senator from Missouri named James Bartman. Is Fuck, is he really bringing up quotes from 1917? He's bringing up quotes from a senator in 1917 to talk about why Drew Brees was wrong to say that he thinks about his grandfathers when he looks at the flag, his grandfathers having fought in World War II. Yep. And he warned that once a black soldier was allowed to see himself as an American hero, it was one step to the conclusion that his political rights must be respected. Bringing black soldiers home to the South with the expectation of equality he predicted would inevitably lead to disaster. I would I would pay money if Skip now on this show just turned around and said something like, so the latest spring training results are in. We've got some data from the, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So the latest talk about trades. Can we, can we switch back to football now? Is that okay? Can we talk about football again? Or do you want to talk about more uh, World War I shit? <laughs> this is now a history podcast. He said black soldiers as potential community leaders would be terrifying and a disaster and would be a mass movement for the American African-American right. Yeah, that's great, Shannon. Uh, coming up after the break, why the latest draft prospects are working hard to make sure that they get picked up in the summer. Even though they went overseas to fight for freedoms, when they came home, they were not to enjoy that. Yep. And Drew Brees still doesn't seem to get it. Now, he issued apologies, Skip, but it's meaningless because the guys know that he spoke his He issued apologies, right? But it's meaningless. All right. The very first time around. Correct. Now, I don't know if I, I don't know what Drew's going to do, but he probably should just go ahead and retire now. He- yes! Cancel Drew Brees. There it is. Yeah. Woo! I'm feeling the jive. He should just go ahead and retire now. 
leave the game. Get the fuck out of here, Drew. Enough. Get the fuck out. <laughs> he should retire. And there it is. See, I, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of prefer on my sports shows when See, I don't like when they try to run legends out of the game. I'm not saying Drew Brees is a legend, but he's one of the premier quarterbacks of the last 10, 20 years, right? I think that's generally agreed. He's one of the better ones. I don't like when commentators try to end the careers of star players because, for my, in my opinion, a star player should decide on their own terms when they give up. You know what I mean? Or at least the team should decide. It's like, you know, with the with the Tom Brady example, it's like, Tom, we've got to let you go. We have to rebuild, right? So stuff like that, that's fine. I don't like it when commentators are like, is he too old? Is he slowing down? Maybe he should give it away. Maybe he should go, you're right. Maybe he should retire because he's too old. It's like, hang on, they know their body. They know their drive. They know their will to succeed. Let them decide. They've earned that right by being so good for so long. They can choose for themselves. So I hate that that trend in sports journalism where it's always like we're trying to retire the best players all the time. But this is by far one of the most creative ways that I've ever seen a commentator try to retire somebody. <laughs> by bringing up fucking World War One, A senator said this in 1917 by talking about the black guys who fought in World War Two, and that's that's the reason why Drew Brees should retire. You know why? Because he had the audacity that when he looks at the flag, he thinks about his personal experience, his personal thing, two grandfathers who fought in World War II. Not good enough. You see, Drew, you don't have personal experiences. You're not allowed to have a personal perspective, Drew. It's another great reality check. See, the way this culture works now is if you are not of the approved demographic, then you are not allowed to speak about personal experience. Your personal experience only oppresses people. Your personal experience with grandfathers fighting in World War II, that only makes the world worse off. Anything personal that you feel about a flag or some kind of symbolism needs to be shunned, needs to be destroyed. Because you didn't mention all of these other people that you don't have personal experience with. And that means that you're part of the problem. So you, Drew, need to you need to know that your platform, your voice belongs to us now. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You're not allowed to talk about your own personal feelings. You're not allowed to talk about your personal perspective. Your personal perspective is dog shit. We will decide what your personal feelings are from now on, Drew. And if you don't like it, how about this? Why don't you fucking quit? Maybe you should get maybe you should re, maybe you should resign. Maybe you should retire right now. Maybe you should walk away from the game. How about that? Because I don't like your apology. I don't care for your apology. Not good enough. Maybe you should quit. Maybe you should quit playing football too while you're at it. Now, he issued apologies, Skip, but it's meaningless. 
because the guys know that he spoke his heart the very first time around. Correct. Now, I don't know if I, I don't know what Drew's going to do, but he probably should just go ahead and retire now. Imagine, imagine, say, <clears throat> I posted a thing a couple of days ago with the robots, right? And the robots like building and stuff. And I just put, we're so fucked. And I got a lot of responses from people who were like, well, it can't work too fast. It can't do this. It can't do that. It can't do this kind of job, blah, 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 blah. So it's never, it, like, it'll never happen. Like, it's it's a fantasy. Stop. <laughs> it'll never replace humans. It's like, well, we already know that there are machines now that can build a whole house from the ground up. But I didn't re- bother responding to any of them because it, it's too difficult to have those kinds of long-winded conversations on a platform like Twitter. But see, when I posted some, when I posted that, I wasn't thinking about just what the robot can do in that moment, right? I'm thinking about things like, well, we've already seen, we've already played all the clips on this show and read the articles about promotion of like shoebox apartments that, you know, 10, 20 years from now called sustainable living. It's part of the 2030 UN agenda. And part of sustainable living is having everybody live in these tiny little shoebox apartments, which are just four walls, four walls within four walls stacked a mile high. Now, it might be difficult for a machine like that to build like an, uh, you know, an accentuated artistic fucking architectural design. Fair enough. But it's not going to be very difficult for a machine like that to whack four, four sides of drywall up. Done. Next. Done. Next. And if that's the thing that they're showing us now, imagine what they really have. Imagine the technology they're really working on because we only get it like years after it's already been developed. So I'm not thinking about what that specific machine can do in that specific moment. And it's the, th- it's the people that say shit like, oh, it'll never happen here. That's the reason why it happens because you're not thinking about what happens next. You're only looking at that one item and like it's in a vacuum, like it's just one thing in a universe of nothingness, but that's never the case. I'm trying to remember why I brought that up now. Something to do with fucking Drew Brees. Something to do with football. One apology is never enough. Oh, now he should, now he should retire. Now he should walk away from the game. got one more quick one here for you try to remember my point i had a point why i brought that up now i can't remember so apologies i got lost my train of thought drew Brees' wife apologizes after comments surrounding anthem kneeling now he's bringing the wife in to fight his battles drew Brees' wife Brittany, penned an emotional message on friday on instagram stating we are the problem a day after the New Orleans Saints quarterback offered a second apology over his national anthem remarks. Oh, here's, here's what, thank this is the point I was getting at. So I posted the thing and people are quick to jump to, it'll never happen here. I, I ask you this, how many of you would have said 10 years ago that we will never be at a point where somebody can say literally, when I see the flag, I think of my two grandfathers who fought in World War II how many of you 10 years ago would have said, oh, one day that will be viewed as a racist comment? Right? If I had have said to you 10 years ago that a professional footballer, footballer would refuse to kneel during the anthem and his reason for doing so would be 
uh, because when I see the flag and hear the anthem, I think of my two grandfathers who fought in World War II. How many of you 10 years ago would say that will one day be classed as a racist comment? It'll never happen here. That will never happen here. Yet here we are. So don't worry about the it'll never happen here stuff. Because after doing this for a few years and after experiencing a few of our own it'll never happen here kind of scenarios, 20 years ago, nobody nobody thought that there would be a fight over trans toilets, yet it'll never happen here. Here we are. 10 years ago, nobody thought talking about your two grandfathers fighting in World War II when you see the American flag would be classed as a racist comment, which means you should retire from the game. You should You should quit your job because of it. People would have said, it'll never happen here. Over edge with the diamonds. Boogie withdrawal cured for one more day. <laughs> People would have said, that'll never happen here. We're patriots. We don't believe that. That'll never happen here. And so look at the robot thing again with fresh eyes. Here you have an autonomous vehicle which can uh, put up drywall, which seems like a very innocuous thing. It seems like a very um, understated you know, development. But consider all of the other factors. These things never operate in a vacuum. And if one day, it'll never happen here, if one day we are by chance told that we aren't allowed to build new houses, that we must live in shoebox-like apartments in city centres and that whole areas of our countries need to be locked up, uh, not to be touched by human beings in order to sustain the natural world, you know, the sustainability projects and whatnot, then in 10 years' time, a robot that could do this 10 years ago is probably going to be a lot better at just building shoebox apartments. It'll never happen here. It'll never replace humans. We're already being replaced. We've already got machines replacing us. So don't be so daft. And hey, 10 years ago, nobody thought that uh, talking about your two grandfathers in regards to the flag would get you labelled as a racist who needs to quit their job. But here we are. It'll never happen here. <clears throat> So we'll quickly go out with Mrs. Breeze. She wrote, we are the problem. I write this with tears in my eyes and I hope you all hear our hearts. Sharing two quotes from Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Fuck. Mrs. Breeze, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so very sorry. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And not only will we have to repent for the sins of bad people, we will also have to repent for the appalling silence of good people. Brittany said while she has read these statements a thousand times, she digested the whole meaning in recent days. I've only now just discovered what Martin Luther King Jr. was talking about. I've read these quotes in scripture a thousand times, and every time I read it and the words sink into my heart, Brittany said, also referencing the passage, the Lord has told you what is good and this is what he requires of you. Brittany says, yes, I think this is what it's all about. Only until the last few days, until we experience the death threats, we experience the hate. Imagine apologizing to the people who send you death threats. Let that fucking sink in.
Imagine apologising to the people sending you death threats instead of doing this. See this? See this here? Fuck you and your death threats. Go fucking jump in a river. Instead of doing that, saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Listen to this. This is Mrs. Breeze, Drew Breeze's lovely wife. And she is lovely. Look at her. She's gorgeous. Somehow we as white America, white America, (laughs) she doesn't even know that she's now just exacerbating the problem. She's exacerbating the problem while she's trying to fix it. It's, It's the same as the kids who are making protest signs. Please stop making protest signs that reference black dick. She's referencing black dick metaphorically. Somehow we as white America can feel good about not being racist, feel good about loving one another uh, as God loves us. We can feel good about educating our children about the horrors of slavery and history. We can read books to our children about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X and Hank Aaron and Barack Obama, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman. And we feel like we are doing our part to raise our children to love, be unbiased and with no prejudice to teach them about all of the African-Americans that have fought for and risked their lives against racial injustice, she continued. Somehow, as white Americans, we feel like that checks the box of doing the right thing. Remember how we said last week that now he's going to be inculcated into the movement, that he's now going to be, it's, it's now going to be expected of him to become an ally and an activist because his apology wasn't good enough. Now he's going to put the work in. That was the quote. Drew's going to put the work in. Not until this week did Drew and I realise that this is the problem. This is the problem, educating people about Malcolm X. Educating your children about Malcolm X is the problem. (laughs) To say I don't agree with disrespecting the flag, I now understand was also saying I don't understand what the problem really is. You're not allowed to say that you don't agree with disrespecting the flag. You need to, as a white footballer and his wife your only job is to shut the fuck up and do the hashtag and say the right thing otherwise we will call for your resignation from the game how do you like that drew how do you like that i now understand was also saying i don't understand what the problem really is i don't understand what you're fighting for and i'm not willing to willing to hear you because of our preconceived notions of what that flag means to us Mrs. Breeze, ladies and gentlemen, she thinks she's helping. And she's talking about how awful it is that she has a preconceived notion about what the flag means to her. (laughs) You can't put brains in statues. You can't polish a turd. And you can't make the wife of a footballer say anything intelligent. (laughs) With that, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, That brings us to the end of tonight's broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of The Daily Boogie. Um, Don't forget to follow all of our friends, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, At Real Person PLTCS, Mr. America, The Beard of Truth, UK Neil, uh, Y Censored, uh, Winning TV, of course. (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) Joy of Pessy, JJ Stoner, Sunday Night Shit Show with Frozen Asian, Spent D. Later on tonight at 10pm, you'll have everybody's favourite lover of French women, Mersh. I'll be back tomorrow night at 6 after Daywave, after JJ, after ROTC, and we'll get back here and do it all over again. 
Uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you could, I'll put the link in the chat one more time. If you've got, if you've got a couple of GoFundMe bucks to spare and you don't want to throw it behind somebody who's unworthy, then I can vouch for this particular woman. She is our friend in New Jersey. She's our Jersey girl. Uh, Coffee Talk with Sandra, going through some personal stuff right now. And if you want to help out, I'll grab the link one more time. Where is it? Grab that link. Come on. I'll grab that link and throw it in the chat. And that will be in the show notes. So, uh, you know, if you want to help somebody out who's deserving of help, then uh, that's she's more than deserving. She's always the first one to help everybody else out when they need it. So Coffee Talk with Sandra, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, and that's it. So if you'd like to become a full-time supporter of this show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogie bumper. Don't forget, uh, tonight you're going to have, I think, Coffee Talk with Sandra later on tonight. And as well, Irrational Times debuting a new video tonight. So give Irrational Times a follow on YouTube and DLive, ladies and gentlemen. Irrational Times, the musical prodigy who created the theme song for this show, which is now apparently the anthem for rape. So we're very pleased about that. <laughs> Thank you, JJ. Uh, so, like I said, I'll be back tomorrow night at 6 p.m. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, then please, by all means, head to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And, of course, if you'd like to tell me about your weekend, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogiebumper. Thank you, everyone, who contributed tonight. Until tomorrow at 6 p.m., stay calm, stay rational, God bless, don't apologize, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.